This is VC Projects Podcast, and today my guest is Shane Fogg, who is an American artist that looks through the lens of humanity at civilizations both past and present, and views times as threads that connect all people. His work is a visual language that is informed by the spiritualism of abstraction and the realism of the old masters. These two ideas are usually seen as separate but Gufog fuses them seamlessly into works that transcend and become testaments to thoughts that inform us of who we are in the 21st century. Thank you so much, Shane, for joining me. Well, thank you for having me yet again. You have the patience of a saint. <laughs> we're, we're in Hollywood. Thank you for the intro, live Gufog. <clears throat> thank you for having me play. It's fun. I, I never know what I'm going to do, and then I just do it, and... Uh, you know, story of my life, right? Right, from a previous career that still keeps going. Well, um, career. Well, more like a hobby. Yeah. Okay. Well, music, um, music and art and creativity. You've you've done a lot, acting, um, set building, and you know, so many things within. I even waited on tables. Writing, <laughs> writing books. Anyways. It, the list goes on and on. But today um, we're here because your followers have, um, they're enjoying the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and getting more of this sort of insight into you and your world. And today um, there was a bit, some interest to talk about the environment and what the impact the environment has on you and your work and, and me um spending time working with you in Hollywood and also in Strathmore. Um, I see it, you're, you're one person, but I, in your creative endeavors as painting, there's two different things that come out um, when I see you work in Hollywood and when I see you work in Strathmore. So hmm. let's, let's explore this a little more. Let's dive in. Yeah. Into the, into the uh, subconscious pool of, <clears throat> of, uh, Creativity. Right, and yes. as one of your paintings, um, the beginning, the beginning is the beginning. Oh, uh, in the end is the beginning, or in the, the beginning is the end, or yeah. The you I always have it. these funny um, titles that are not really funny; they're real. They're real, and it's about almost the the. I'm talking about time, but in reality, it's the absence of time because you can't have a beginning as an end and an end as a beginning. Because then I'm, what I'm talking about is is that it's almost like the snake eating its tail, mm-hmm. right? And um, which is an ancient symbol mm-hmm. for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so all time is timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, going into T. S. Eliot, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, yeah, so you know, I started painting <clears throat> growing up in the in the countryside on the ranch, and you know, there's um. The area there is really flat, and the landscape is just, you know, started with some orchards, and then directly around me was always fields, whether mm-hmm. it's cotton or alfalfa or corn, those mm-hmm. are the main, wheat, those are the main four. And <clears throat> the beauty of it for me was this horizon line, mm-hmm. that I could see off in the distance, mm-hmm. you know, and the sense of the expanse of space that was out there. And then in that area, um, also in the wintertime, it gets uh, what's called a Thule fog, and this thick fog rolls in, and you can't see more than 30 yards 
and the telephone poles are, are just, mm, they're, they're like these ghostly images, you know, and wow. they're so diffused and the trees are, are ghostly and everything becomes otherworldly. Wow. <clears throat> and I like the idea that those, those objects being submerged in the fog like that mm -hmm. and how it, how it sort of disintegrates the thing itself and how we perceive it. Mm -hmm. And I think, and part of my glazing process came from that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, as I build up the layers and so I'm, I'm really, in some of the paintings, I'm almost recreating an atmosphere through mm -hmm. paint mm -hmm. that you have to look through. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a lot of artists will just take the color of the sky on a hazy day and paint that color. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll paint a blue sky and then I'll do 50 layers of glazes painting different colors of blues or, or very faint yellows so that it creates that same effect mm -hmm. you know, as how we see, mm -hmm. right, as we look through things. So that, that was a big part of it for me. And then... Um, <clears throat> Also, you know, I grew up on this bird farm. We had all these exotic birds, all the pet birds, but we had hundreds of thousands of them. Mm -hmm. And we had um, a few hundred bird aviaries that were like five feet wide and 10 feet long, seven foot ceilings in them. And you walk in, you know, they're all caged and two by fours and stuff. And you walk in and these birds would just be flying all around me. Gosh, and, wow. And they were so loud and even now, um, you know, 35 years later, sometimes when I'm going to sleep at night, mm -hmm. I can hear those birds. Mm -hmm. They're still in my head. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a loud chatter. Wow. But I, <clears throat> I realized that possibly these birds flying around me, because um, some of them are very colorful. Uh-huh. And a few years back, I started wondering if the movement that I use oftentimes comes from that. Mm -hmm. If I'm conjuring that up out of my subconscious, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Probably. Probably. And then, um, you know, as you're driving that area up there, you'll see these orchards that are, or these fields that have these perfect rows. Uh-huh. Yeah. And as you're driving by, it creates, as you're looking through it, it creates patterns within patterns that start to form. And it's quite beautiful. But yet to see the... The structure of the, the outline of the tree is very abstract. Mm -hmm. And I think that my pattern paintings came out of that as well. Because the the underneath movement, the first part of the of the painting I would do would be a very subconscious moment where I'm just using my arm and to do this sort of calligraphic dance and the paint brush is documenting that movement. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And then I would do a drawing of that moment or take a picture of that moment. And out of that, I would make a template so that I create a pattern. And, mm -hmm. and I was thinking about it then as almost a subconscious creating its own consciousness, mm -hmm. its own awareness. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the idea of these juxtapositions of um, the chaos and the order is really comes out of, I mean, it comes out of life in general, mm -hmm. but, but more specifically, visually, that landscape. Mm -hmm. of the rows of trees and fields. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, but just I'm just thinking about this perspective of your paintings. And I know, I mean, we can talk about light sources and things like that, but back to the, 
back to the birds and the aviaries. Um, as the viewer, do you think the viewer was the bird or, you know, mm -hmm. in, in those still points? Um, or do you think you're the bird? I think, the painting is, I think you're the painting. I think you're the bird. I'm the bird. Yeah, the and the bird painting is the object. Around. Yeah, right. and right. then where's the viewer? The viewer. The viewer is the observer. Uh huh. You know, who's standing outside the, the cage watching? Yeah. Watching all these birds fly around. Right. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can um, see that. Yeah, and you know, like I said, we had it was a few hundred acres. But it was twenty thousand square feet of bird acres. Wow. Yeah, and so it, you know, and each one has, has feeders and has a water bowl, mm -hmm. so I'd have to go into each one and, and clean out the water bowl. Yeah. And then we had this system hooked up with this uh, PVC pipe and mm -hmm. um, turn one faucet and it fills them all up at the same time. And oh, you have that's to go good. in there and, and, you know, with a brush and clean them all, get the algae and stuff off. Yeah. So as you're in there, these things are flying around you. And yeah. In the summertime, because it's hot, we'd have to start at 6 a.m. and finish usually by around 11 uh -huh. in the morning. Because uh -huh. after that, it gets too hot, and if they fly around and get overheated, they die. Yeah. So we don't want that to happen. So we had to be very cautious about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's an obvious natural influence mm -hmm. on conscious and unconscious level because it's part of your memory. Right. And the memory, you know, I think I think we talked about this, uh, or you, know, you and I talked about it privately, but um, like this whole series I did on memory, mm -hmm. when in 1985 I moved to New York, mm -hmm. and it was the first time I'd never been, I was never, I wasn't able to see the horizon line anymore, mm -hmm. like I had, like where I grew up, and I felt very, very claustrophobic in New York, it took me a while to get used to it, and, and then realizing that that and feeling that sensation um i happened to go god it was a sunday morning i remember and they were showing uh paris texas the film and i went to see it and it was a early matinee because i didn't have a whole lot of money so i went to see it and you know the opening scene of ry cooter playing the slide guitar and harry dean Stanton walking across the desert lost aimless you know and just walking and that vast spans, that horizon, I was like, oh, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. And the music played into this, st the stretch of the horizon mm -hmm. and the silence of nature. Mm -hmm. It was like, the music was almost um, like a mom who's humming to their baby to, to calm them down, you know? That's what that music was for me in that film. and. I really, at that moment, I realized where I was from mm -hmm. and that it was in my being, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that I was never going to be a, a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. I'm just not, I'm not wired for that. Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's when I, <clears throat> so then I started thinking about my memories mm -hmm. of where I was from and my childhood. And you realize that as time goes on, it's almost like a, the, your computer system with your hard drive and these these files get stacked one on top of the other you know then you have to compress and you got to compress yeah, and make yeah, more room yeah and so the memories become memories of memories mm -hmm. and they begin to fuse together to create new memories mm -hmm. so that was all part of the memory series that i was exploring uh -huh. at that time 
in the about 85, 86, 87, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it was really fascinating. And I was looking at it the other day, some of the watercolors and things, and I thought, wow, these are really interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really, really interesting. I, mm -hmm. I, it's nice to be able to look back and mm -hmm. be surprised. Mm -hmm. um, well, you, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, um, well, you, you're very invested in ancient history and civilizations, and I know you've been re you read a book on cave paintings mm -hmm. recently, and of course, all of this information has informed your art and also your intelligence and and just being human and what it means to be alive and what is our purpose and etc and, and also challenging things like science and politics and architecture and and just having a um a, a bouncing board within yourself to to kind of walk through the main street of of life yeah and I like thank you and <laughs> and so my question to you is that so we just in talking about your environment on the ranch and knowing some of the series of your paintings like a rose is a rose is a rose mm -hmm. um, nature your environment does inform your inquiry to explore certain subjects right but when you came when you moved to Hollywood mm -hmm. something like 30 plus years ago, mm -hmm. Venice, and then Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. like 32 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I was one one year old at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, like in what you just said, you know, you have all those memories of yeah. the ranch and the environment, the landscape. You know, you went to New York, you went to Europe, you've again collected more memories, seeing masterworks and and went to art school at CalArts, etc. But when you came to Hollywood and you had this new landscape and it was your own studio that you were creating your own work for mm -hmm. yourself, um, how were how did that impact you, this environment? Mm. Well, I think that, you know, and at the time I was still working for um, Ed Ruscha, so uh, I have, would have to, and his studio was in Venice. So I would have to drive across town mm -hmm. to get to work at, a, at the studio. It was like two or three days a week. Um, and just navigating the city here, it's, you know, it's, it's a soul crusher. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's a real grind. And even then, it was, it's not as bad as it is now. But even then, you know, it would take me a good 45 minutes to drive across town. And I, I was realizing that the position of where I was had to be interactive with everything else around me. Mm -hmm. That I was not a, a, a solo entity, mm -hmm. right? I was a part of a bigger thing. Mm -hmm. And that you have to, it, it is all working as one. Mm -hmm. So when you get on the freeway, mm -hmm. you're all working as one. Mm -hmm. Even though we're compartmentalized in our vehicles and we're listening to whatever music we're, or talk radio, whatever we're doing, and that becomes our own little private temple of sorts. You know, it's almost like our own church that right. we go to the automobile. Yeah. It is like this temple. And, and But it transports you from one area to another. But in that transportation mode, you are an integral part of everything else around you. 
Yeah. And if you're not, you're going to end up in an accident. Right. So that in mind, that's where the patterns first started coming from. Okay. And um, I had, there was a, uh, in a Smithsonian magazine, I think it was, Ed used to give me, every month he would give me a stack of magazines that he subscribed to. And they're mainly art magazines, and they were like there was like a foot tall of magazines, wow. art magazines, and uh-huh. all this stuff, you know. And I felt compelled to read them in case he, God forbid, would ask me what did I think of that article. Yeah. So I'd read them all, um, and then, it, which was a bad thing to do, uh, because it would just send me down a rabbit hole, you know. And and then you start overthinking everything. Yeah. And you lose touch with your intuition, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And at CalArts, it was all about think, think, think. Um, don't trust your intuition. Well, I had to sort of do an exorcism of the teachings of CalArts to learn how to trust my intuition again. Uh-huh. So suddenly, these magazines were pulling me back into that um, CalArts dogmatic way of thinking, mm-hmm. and it was not good for me. Mm-hmm. And um, just a little funny pun. One after I don't know a year of him giving me these things, he had another stack for me, and I said, "I can't take these." He goes, well, "Why not?" And I said, "I read them, and it's really depressing." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Oh, you're not supposed to read them." <laughs> I said, I'm "Not." And he goes, "No." I said, "Would you read them?" He goes, "No, of course not. I just make sure that see if there's any articles on me, or if anybody's publishing my work or something." I said, "That's it." He goes, "That's it." Oh no! Don't read them. That's like, that's like no, that'll that's not good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, thank you. It's donated them to a library or something, man. I just it's too much. But um, you know, and, and the, this one it was a newspaper, and it was about the uh, art market. Uh huh. Um, you know, so you're following all the trends. Well, yeah. that's not a good thing for an artist to do. Yeah. Because then it, then you're a dog chasing your tail. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. You got to be truthful to yourself. Right. And honest, you know, great great art comes from being honest. Right. Right. Not from following a trend or trying uh-huh. to predict a trend. Uh-huh. That's not how it works. So, anyway, uh sorry for the sidetrack there. No, but, no, it's good. It's good. Um so I realized that so I found in one of these magazines, this Smithsonian magazine, there was this image of this little a black page with these little green dots, and it had some text on the bottom. But I was really interested in the, the, the positioning of the, excuse me, the green dots, and so I ripped out the page. I folded the um, text under so I didn't read it, <clears throat> and I pinned it to my studio wall, and I just kept looking at it and looking at it and looking at it, and I realized that each dot was like a point of information. Hmm. And then I thought I thought it was some sort of microscopic image, and that this is how the uh, the microscopic world that we can't see with the naked eye is how they navigate. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that the positioning of each thing was being dictated by everything else around it, mm-hmm. which I felt was true in this reality, mm-hmm. in this realm. Yeah. Um, you know, getting on the freeway or driving across town or just going to grocery store or whatever so I decided to do a drawing of that image and I did a bunch of watercolors of it um, but it wasn't quite there yet so then I decided to mirror it 
and did that, well, now a pattern was starting to appear. Mm -hmm. And then I mirrored that from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Now another pattern was, pattern was beginning to appear. And then I overlapped them, and then suddenly it was becoming figurative. Okay. Like I was beginning to see humanesque forms. Okay. Which was interesting. So out of out of a pure abstraction, yeah, was coming this becoming figurative, right? Um, and so this started feeding into my paintings, and seeing them as points of information. These dots, I thought, well, then they would they should be self illuminating. Mm -hmm. So I would take a um, oil stick and build. I would trace these things out. I draw them out on these big canvases, and I take oil stick and build up the surfaces so that they were about maybe a quarter of an inch thick. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, I would lose them in the glazing mm -hmm. painting stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But they became light sources. And from these, these things, then I would loop these ribbons around inside them. Mm -hmm. And so as the ribbons would, would go through these markings, they would go fade into the darkness or be illuminated as I got closer to the dots. Mm -hmm. So there were these strange, abstract, realist paintings. Mm, mm -hmm. um, and that really was, uh, came out of L.A. Mm -hmm. And then, and that was actually happening in Venice. And then when I moved to here in Hollywood, um, that continued for a while. But then um, <clears throat> the dots, the patterns became something else. And I started taking pieces of paper and folding them together mm -hmm. and then taking a hole punch and looking at an object and just sort of tracing out the shape of it with a hole punch and then unfolding the paper and out of that comes this like snowflake you know things that you yeah. as a kid yeah these beautiful patterns but then I started painting those using that as a template juxtaposed over these surfaces so that I had a a um, a foreground, a middle ground, and a background mm -hmm. that were all sort of pulsating back and forth with each other. And again, I, I felt that that was part of like living in a city. You've got your, you are your foreground, and then the middle ground is like the the the, the freeway system, and the background is the entire city, mm -hmm. right? That you're trying to navigate through. Mm -hmm. So that's what was kind of happening with those paintings, like the Sainted Hunger one, that blue one that you saw yesterday. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the storage racks. And so then, um, as luck would have it, um, I started getting some success and selling my work mm -hmm. and actually making money um, <laughs> so I could, I could just do it full time. Yeah. And then I got a big studio downtown. Um, and I, something about it being in a new space and then having to commute to my studio, which I'd never had to do before, mm -hmm. again, shifted everything okay. with me. Yeah. And that, so when I would get downtown, um, you know, it was nerve wracking driving in the traffic in the mornings. And then I, I pull up to the building and these drug dealers and prostitutes and people would all come running at me you know, to try to sell me their goods, right? Yeah. So I'd have to yell out to get back, step back, you know. No, thank you, not interested. And I'd go up to my studio, and I would just start pacing. It was a big space, 1,500 square feet, just an open room. And I would start walking around the entire 
uh, parameter of mm -hmm. the studio and saying everything that was on my mind, saying it out loud, everything, mm -hmm. until I had nothing else to say, mm -hmm. until I got it all out. Yeah. Then I was able to be in the moment, and then I would start a watercolor process, mm -hmm. watercolor first each day. That was my ritual. Mm -hmm. And then I would start working on painting, and that's when the Kanak paintings came out. Oh, okay. Um, and so now the patterns became something else, and this is when the underneath movement of it, you know, which is figurative, um, but I painted it as if it submerged in the color, almost mm -hmm. the same way that the Thule father does. Yeah. With objects, right? Yeah. So, and you can see that in that Kanak painting. Right. Um, and then I would do a drawing of that moment, and that drawing then of the image, then that drawing becomes the pattern of which I would replicate across the surface, creating order over chaos. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a really good description. Um, my question is, it was... In Am listening I really to it, from the, uh, ancient times? No, no, no. <laughs> but but was do you think this is about like let's talk about your own human condition without being a therapist? Mm -hmm. Was this your sense of survival in the city mm. and and your place of documenting this time, knowing about because the titles of your paintings refer to. Um, ancient civilizations mm -hmm. at that period. Not the crossings, but like you said, the Kanak and mm -hmm. Hunabku and Avalon. Yeah, Avalon. And, yeah, well, I was you reading know. a lot about the Mayan culture at that time. But, but, but again, like, you're in a very different place now. You're in a big city. Yeah. You're traveling yeah. to work, traveling to the studio, mm -hmm. um, and trying, like, a lot of people could get lost with their own identity and mm. why what am I doing what what is my art about I mean I always felt like you know I I could never live in New York City because I didn't I think you got if you're gonna live in New York City space is limited you better have something to say yes you know yes. so well it's also it's also a very hard city to live in and yeah. LA used to be a much easier city than New York yeah I think LA is harder now I think it is harder now too so how, how do you how did you navigate your own process? Like you, you, you explained how you made the work, but what about you as a person, as an artist? Um, Looking back, mm, you know, I mean, yeah. did, did that, did it really, do, do you think that it was a natural situation for you to come to the city Obviously, you saw that that drawing in or that painting in the magazine. You teared it out, and it mm -hmm. gave you a clue. Well, actually, you know what that image was. I, when I finally finished the first big painting, I I looked at what the writing was, and it was a radar screen oh. at Dallas Fort Worth Airport during rush hour. Okay. And all those little green dots were planes. Oh my gosh! Coming and going. Yeah. And so they were exactly what I thought, but they weren't the micro; they were the macro. Uh huh. You know. Um, so I think that yeah, I, mean, I mean, you come to L.A. or you, or New York because there's a synergy. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is where there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. This is where um, people actually take time to go to museums. Mm -hmm. And because the museums are here, they're available. Right. Um, there's an art scene. There's a gallery scene. 
mm-hmm. and art has is be is you know seen as not only something that is is hopefully good for the heart and mind and soul, but mm-hmm. as potentially as an investment. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you have like the, the entertainment industry in this town, and now the tech industry, you've got people that are making a lot of money mm-hmm. that can afford. Mm-hmm. work right and so then the art becomes a status symbol mm-hmm. blah 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 we all know that um so you know i realized that i had to be here but 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 ba- it's a balancing act as an artist to your truth yeah and also your life um legacy of being an artist mm-hmm. and what your findings are as a human mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. in this time yeah. in this lifetime yeah. Yeah, and you know, I tell you, I remember doing the Connect series, and I, I, I remember looking at them at one point, and I thought the audience is is not yet born for these, mm-hmm. you know, because what they're investigating this this relationship between the conscious and the subconscious mind. It's it's there. It's it's so apparent. It's very apparent, but at the time when I was doing these works. Um, they, you know, people were scratching their heads. What are these things? Yeah. These are, I mean, what are you doing? You know, there was, they're, they're look like they're Middle Eastern, but they're not. They look like they're abstract, but they're not. They look like they're figurative, but they're not. Yeah. They so look like a language. They? Yeah. They look like a language, but they're not. Yeah. So what are these things? I said, they are themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I don't need you to pin labels on them. Mm-hmm. Just, just stand in front of them, enjoy them, and and take it in, you know. <clears throat> and so, but I think that the patterning, um, you know, was interesting too because the patterns became more and more and more complex mm-hmm. as time went on. I think I did it for ten years. Oh, those gosh. pattern paintings. And uh-huh. the last painting I did was titled Ocean. And it was a large painting and it was red. The background was red, and there's lots of movements in it. And then I actually took a photograph of it. Um, and then in Photoshop, I pressed it, the image, you know, to where it kind of refined it down to the most basic shapes. And then I printed that out. And mm-hmm. with an X-Acto knife, I cut it out, and I replicated it, and I taped them all together. And I painted that in blues over the red so that they literally would just pop off the surface mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as uh, complementary colors do. Mm-hmm. And there was 144 patterns that I painted. Wow, that's a lot. And it was so intense for me making this painting. I had a big show coming up with a gallery that I remember at one point I was sitting on a stool and I turned to my left to load up my brush with more blue and my back just spasmed mm-hmm. and I couldn't breathe and I fell off the stool wow. and I couldn't paint for like three days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that I threw anything out. It was just the intensity of it. Yeah. And, and my muscles just froze. Mm-hmm. And that was the last one I did. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and then what followed that was the still points. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life at that mm-hmm, point, mm-hmm. you know, and my marriage was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that the patterns were also about me needing to have control over the chaos. Yeah. Of my own personal life, as well as living in the city. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and then in 2009, um, 
you know, the economy was tanking, and one false swoop. And I was sitting on seven different boards and committees. Mm -hmm. um, I was in neighborhood council. I was on uh, all these things. I don't remember what they were now. And I woke up one day and I thought, what am I doing? I'm not taking care of me. Mm -hmm. I'm taking care of all these other things for all these other people and all these other causes. I need to be my own cause at this point. Mm -hmm. So I sat down and wrote a letter of resignation mm. to all of them. Mm -hmm. And I resigned that day. And then I made the decision I was closing Pharmaca that day. Mm -hmm. And I sent an email to everybody mm -hmm. that uh, I'm shutting it down. Mm -hmm. um, and it was one false swoop, mm -hmm. you know, and it felt good. Yeah. It was a, but, and so suddenly I didn't need to make these pattern paintings anymore. Mm -hmm. they, it left me. Yeah. The need to make that type of image left me. Mm -hmm. But you stayed in Los Angeles. Yeah. You stayed here. And I've heard you say that maybe I'm wrong, that you paint moments. Yes. So what... An accumulation of moments. Accumulation yes. of moments. So leaving the pattern paintings behind, mm -hmm. um, getting into the still points and Gina Vera de Venice series and onward. Um, and now you're here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Your work is exhibited here, but you are preferring to be at the ranch. Yeah, that's and, what I'm painting now. And and that's a different findings. And now as an adult, as you know, if somebody who's much older, mm -hmm. not past their youth on that land, now it's your ranch, mm -hmm. not your family's ranch, sadly. Mm -hmm. Condolences to your parents passing. Um, but again it's a it's it's a different it's a different game. It, it is, and my need to make art is different now than it was then. Mm -hmm. I'm a different person now. What are you informed by now there? Uh, I'm informed by things that I think are very, very deep underneath the surface of life. Um, I'm not so interested in the navigating from point A to point B, you know, which the original uh, pattern things were about. Mm-hmm. And navigating the city and mm -hmm. then controlling the chaos mm -hmm. um, now I don't feel like I need to do that I don't need to control the chaos because I don't feel chaos around me mm -hmm. and I think I'm much more at peace mm -hmm. with myself I, I, I was saying to somebody recently that I've never felt so content mm -hmm. in all my life that's, as I do right now. Oh, that's so good yeah. and so I'm not painting as much as I used to but when I do paint, um, it flows effortlessly, mm -hmm. and um, well, let's let I mean, let yeah. me let me just witness that you say you're not painting as much, but it's not like your feet are up and you're watching TV or no. you've got a, a can of, you've got a bucket of beer, a, no. you know, a six pack on no. ice. You're you're working the land. You're yep. Building structures, you've yep. built a new studio, you've built a, a viewing room, you've yep. planted um, 309. Yeah, I did the guest house. Planted vineyard. Planted vineyard. So, to me, like, life flows mm -hmm. 
it doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It all is interchangeable. Right. Well, those things are all, I see them as art projects. For yeah, me. I yeah. don't see them as, as construction projects. Well, watching you cook is an art project. Yeah, I, you know, because I yeah. love to cook, because to me, cooking is a celebration of life. Um, and I think, you know, getting the opportunity to plant a vineyard is a celebration of life. Getting to turn a welding shop into a, a gallery viewing space is a celebration of my life right now because of the success I've had affords me now to do these things. But but for the listener, before you maybe you were painting, you know, 10 hours a day, 8 yep. to 10 hours a day. Yep. Um, now now like there's about I think it's a little more than that. That depends. Um, so you're pacing yourself in a, in a different way. Yeah, I am. And I don't feel the urgency. I, it's interesting. I, I do feel an urgency because I realize that, you know, how many, how many really good years of painting do I have left in me? Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it's a valid question. And what do I feel is still within me that needs to come out? Uh-huh. So that those things are on my mind, um, mm-hmm. and you know, working on big paintings. Like right now, I'm working on a painting that's six and a half feet by nine feet, and mm-hmm. I just finished two paintings that are seven feet by five feet, mm-hmm. and they are they're like an athletic event. Yeah, they really are. You know, and they're they're bigger than me. These paintings, mm-hmm. and they take a lot of energy, both um, mental and physical, to make and accomplish. So you're in your prime right now. Yeah, I'm in my prime. But I think, you know, I think to myself, I, now's the time to be making these big paintings mm-hmm. while I can. Yeah. Now's the time to be building the buildings that I'm building while I can. Mm-hmm. You know, and 10 years from now, I may not be able to swing a hammer like that. Yeah, it's 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 uh, apparent also to the listener that all of these projects are done by you. You just yep. made this incredible because you like to cook and barbecue yeah. you've done this magnificent barbecue um at a river rock at a river yeah. rock and your masonry and yeah. i mean it's all guffaw it's all yeah and a buddy of mine is helping me i won't say his name because he likes his privacy but um you know and we're having a good time doing it it's a lot of work i've never done stone masonry like that you know, taking 40-pound river rocks and building walls out of them. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure how to do it, but I thought, well, it's been done before, so why not? Yeah. And it's a lot of work, but it, it's really rewarding mm-hmm. for me to do that, you know, and I work out there as long as until it gets too hot, mm-hmm. and those rocks heat up, and then they start burning my hands because mm-hmm. it's too hot. Yeah. And that's when I know it's time to go to the studio. Right. So I'm, I'm more in the flow with nature right now. You know, and the weather mm-hmm. is dictating my time in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's that's healthy though. Mm-hmm. It's I think adapting. So. And I, I I feel like I have a lot more balance, and I think mm-hmm. that the paintings are breathing more now. Yeah. Do you, so back to the environmental. Um, I know in my visits up there, we've talked about water, and we've talked about the farms and the drought and I still think that and the wells and how far the water is for the farmers over how far the water deep down and you know it's quite an education yeah um I think this is unconsciously feeding into your findings as an artist 
I think so too. Um, there's a natural, I mean, for me, it's, it's so rewarding to go out and pick nectarines fresh off the tree for my breakfast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so rewarding. Or to go pick some fresh tomatoes for my salad, you know, which I do daily. And there's something about it, it makes me feel very connected. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel the need to control it. Mm-hmm. Like, so the pattern paintings are, I don't think I can make one now. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's come, coming out of it is something very different. And like the still points started because I felt after doing all the work I was doing for all these other people, mm-hmm. plus running a nonprofit, um, that I was, I has, I'd lost my center. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where my center was. Mm-hmm. And the center is my still point. That's mm-hmm. where everything else is revolving around, right? So I didn't know where it was. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I didn't feel grounded. Mm-hmm. So I thought I, I needed to paint it to mm-hmm. find it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the still points came out of, mm-hmm. is that need. Mm-hmm. And, but now, if you look at the still points that I'm still doing, they don't have a central focus per se, mm-hmm. and like they did at the beginning. Now they're more all over. And, you know, like the last one I just finished, um, Lady Roses and Nervous Early Snow, that the whole thing is is moving and dancing. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a dance now. Yeah, yeah. And and that is directly coming from nature mm-hmm. and watching things grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not coming from my need anymore to get centered. Survival. Yeah. 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 It's different now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, in, in essence, I guess the work is all very, very autobiographical. Yeah just doesn't have a your standard roadmap mm-hmm. it's not a your standard memoir <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah but you know it's it's um and if i sometimes like you know if i'm working really hard building things and i may get too tired to go out and paint or i may just go out sit out in the studio and look yeah i'll, I'll go out and sit for two hours with no music and just stare at the paintings. Yeah. Have just conversations. To, yeah, and, and just commune with them. You know, allow them to enter into me, into my psyche. Mm-hmm. And, and allow myself to enter into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, um, it, it's a really satisfying thing to do. You know, a lot of people, um, it's funny, I had a neighbor the other day. I was out hoeing weeds. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the vineyards, and um, it's like six thirty in the morning. He's driving this dirt road, and he stops. He goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm hauling weeds." He said, "Sunday morning, six thirty. Why are you doing this?" I said, "Because it needs to be done." He said, "Yeah, but why are you doing this?" I said, "I'll tell you why. Because when I come out here and hold weeds, you know how what's going through my mind? Mm. Nothing. I don't have one thought." I don't think about one single person. I don't think about any world events. I don't think about pandemics. I don't think about a financial crisis happening. I have nothing. I think nothing except that weed mm-hmm. needs to come out. So I am purely in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I work for an hour and mm-hmm. I'm getting some physical activity. Um, 
I'm completely into now, and I joke to him, and I say, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of money to try to get to that place. Yeah. Going to yoga, meditation centers, and all this kind of stuff. Churches. Whatever, churches, yeah. whatever. I said, I come out in little weeds. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm balanced for the day. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and I think that balance is what's now appearing in the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what kind of advice would you have for, you know, an artist or a creative person trying to, you know, acknowledging your their environment, whether they're new to a place or mm-hmm. if they're, you know, a lot of people are leaving Los Angeles mm-hmm. now or and then right. people are moving here. You know, there's all these condos everywhere, these new structures and things. Yeah, we'll see um, if they get rid of them. Yeah. What 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 kind of advice would you give a person? That's tough. I don't know. I mean, every person's different, and, yeah. and you know where they come from is different. Um, you know, it's it's really just about learning how to stay in the moment. Yeah, and maybe just find your own truth. Yeah. What what taking the quiet. Yeah, and you know, one thing I used to do a lot here in LA was go for hikes up in Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. Take a break, go for a hike. For an hour, mm-hmm. and you know, go two, three miles. It's great exercise. It gets me in nature. It gets me out of my studio. Mm-hmm. It gets different. I'm looking at the world differently now. I'm not staring at the paintings. I'm mm-hmm. not so consumed by my own thought process. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's an important thing to do is find that balance. Mm-hmm. It's very important if you think you're just going to, you know, sit down and write a novel eight hours a day. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. You, you gotta have balance. Ultimately. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's just about finding what works for you. Uh huh. You know, I mean, I, I, your question reminds me of that movie called Tommy, the deaf, dumb, and blind kid who yeah. is a pinball ball wizard because he plays by instinct alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so then he becomes a phenomena, and then there's a camp so people can learn. They blindfold them and they put put earplugs in them. Just to try to uh, replicate the same experience, but they can't do it. Yeah. Um, and what you're asking is, it reminds me of that. Yeah. Every person has to find their own path. Right. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that is. Yeah. You know, and for you, you like to get up in the morning, go to the stable, and ride your horse. Yeah. And that's what grounds you for the day. Right. Yeah. Right. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. So these things, you know, it's about knowing yourself. Well, even I remember when, you know, um, well, you know politics, I, I, I don't so much, but when they were having all those financial crises and people were having to make deals and they were waiting for months and months, you know, and I, I, I did read some articles where these guys, you know, they would spend the day in the water, you know, at the beach um, waiting, Yeah. you know, yeah. just trying to keep their... Their keep heads their about, about yeah. Keep, oh, yeah. keep their wits about it. Sure, very stressful. And, you know, and when the things like that happen, then you start questioning, well, what's what really is the value of money? Yeah. What really is the value of that expensive car? If you can't afford it, then if it's if it's bringing if you can't afford it, then it becomes it's not adding to your life; it's taking away from your life. Mm-hmm. So then, what's the value of it? Yeah. Probably not that. You know, in the big scheme of things, what's the value of it? Yeah. Not much. Yeah. Um, and you know, same for the big homes and or the small homes or whatever. It's about what's happening to you within yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And 
so many, you know, in our society, capitalism is based on the idea of, of spending money, mm-hmm. buying a product. Mm-hmm. And the advertisement world is about showing you images of people that are having this orgasm of sorts because they just got this new purse. Right. Or they just got this new cologne right. or perfume, right? Right. And they're in heaven. They're having the most beautiful experience. Well, that's an image that's being portrayed that we all want to buy into. Yes. So that becomes a belief system right. of our society. And the problem is, is that it, it's, it's false advertisement. It doesn't fix anything for you. Mm-hmm. Sure, you may smell better for a couple hours, and people may say, "Oh God, that cologne is so smells so great," but that doesn't change your life. Yeah, it doesn't make you a better person. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, for me, it's you know, again, it's about finding your path and staying in the moment, staying true to yourself, and figuring out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, you want to give us a little... Another ending tune. Thank you um, for spending the time and joining me here at El Nido in uh, East Hollywood. And um, it's great to talk to you about all these things. It's nice to talk to you about it. You always manage to like open up the cellar doors of my, my deepest thoughts and pull things out that I wasn't anticipating. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thank you.